0: There is no one like him. He's wonderful. God is very good at all times, and the devil can just go to hell. But none of you, none of you, not one of you may go to hell. He paid a very dear price to get you in. Stay there. Don't go out. No one can pluck you out of his hand, but you're free to leave. It's true. Okay. Turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Psalms. Psalms, Psalms, chapter one hundred and five, Psalm one hundred and five, and verse sixteen. Psalm one hundred and five, verse sixteen, where my brothers and sisters, but right, authentic, can pray. <laughs> Halleluja. Every one of us are born with a purpose and a destiny. And everyone's born with a personality, like your fingerprint, very unique. There is no uh, exact same two personalities on the planet. There are similarities, but definitely different personalities. And But we, have de- we develop character as life, circumstances, culture and God's dealings grow us in our character to make our personality more conducive to live with and to live around. Some things have to be managed in our personalities. It's the way God made us, but certainly God has a destiny for each one of us. And it's very easy to miss some of our destinies when we don't walk in decision-making that is obedient to the Lord. I'm sure you can agree with me that Samson, you all know who Samson is, the very strong man, It was never God's plan for this anointed, specially destined man to die under rubble and blind. It was never God's plan. It was never God's plan for Moses, as blessed and anointed as he was, not to enter the promised land. And I so want each one of us in this family of God never to miss the full plan of God and never to miss the destiny and the road that you're on. There are some things that we have... Control over through our choices and some that we just have absolutely no control of. God's in control and we trust him. It's all a road of discovery and journey. Knowing the Lord day by day, you never know what's around the corner. It says in Psalm 105, verse 16, that God himself called a famine on the land. Now, some people have a hard time thinking that God may do such a thing. But it's there in black and white. And God destroyed all the supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put into irons. Did he deserve that? Did he do something to cause the pain or discomfort of being a slave or being bruised? No. Until what he foretold came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord proved him true or tested him. When God's word comes, there are so many obstacles that God doesn't enlighten us in between. He says, "Let's go to the other side." They had a full day of word teaching, and Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side." He didn't mention there'd be a storm. Didn't mention he'd take he would take a nap. Yet he expected them to believe all the way to the other side, regardless of what would come in between, to fulfill and finish the race with excellence in every way. Now, Joseph didn't choose the family he was born to. God knows none of us choose the family we're born to. In America, we have a Thanksgiving, which is a very big family day, and we only have one, and I thank God for it. <laughs> we love to see them, and we love to see them go. <laughs> because you love your family, but they can get on your nerves as we get on theirs. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you know what I'm talking about. I'm now not a child anymore. I've grown up, and I can tell you every family has a level of dysfunctionality. Every family. It varies from time to time and different levels. And Joseph was the most dysfunctional I'd, I'd seen in the Word of God. His, his father had learned from his own mother to lie and cheat his dad, and he was a crook, and he walked with a limp, and then he fell in love with a beautiful girl, and he was madly in love, and you just can't pick who you're in love with. He was the second eldest, and then, of course, Joseph's grandfather from his mother's side was even a bigger crook, and tricked his poor father into marrying a different sister. After seven years of working for Rachel, he ended up marrying Leah. Leah. And you may think that's not a big deal, but Leah was the eldest child, and the Bible says she had weak eyes or cross-eyed. Imagine waking up on your wedding morning with all the excitement to see Rachel to find, hi, honey. I mean, really, it's startling. Like, "Who? what are you doing here? And you can imagine how she felt when he got up and left that tent to go, to go find Rachel. On the honeymoon, he didn't even want her, he, wanted, he still wanted Rachel. She needed therapy for months, she had therapy about that rejection. And then he began to sleep with Rachel until he could marry her seven years later. He and Leah fell pregnant, Leah's servant fell pregnant, and so did Rachel's servant. But Rachel struggled. The one person he loved, he could not have a child with. It took so long. And the others made fun of her and mocked at her and antagonized her soul until she kept on appealing to to Jacob to help. And finally, Joseph's born. Joseph. He was favored just because he was born. Now, Jacob had other sons, but the love of his life had this child, and now he was so happy to have this boy. You are so favored just because you got born. Again. (laughs) When the day you got born again... The favor of God hits you strongly. What you don't know is, you think God's favor is going to get you parking in front of pick and pay. You confess God's favor for convenience, but the truth is, God's favor may make your life miserable in the world because you walk into the office and they stop talking. Or they whisper, or they make your life difficult because you're favored of God. The older brothers or the half-brothers just don't like you because you're favored. Are you listening to me? Yes. Now you think things are unfair, and let me clear you, to you, family of God, about fair. God is not fair. He never has been, and he never will be. We, in the confessional prayer of Derek Prince, it says clearly God is just. You know, fairness is when I do something for one person that I did for the other. God doesn't care about that. God is just. He doesn't measure from one person to the other. He measures against himself what's right. Because he's righteous. So when he's just, he's doing what's right that isn't just. Just. But he doesn't try to do something for you to please you because he did somebody else. No. It doesn't mean because he favors one person, he favors you less. Cain threw a real hissy fit and went up to, the, to his room and slammed the door. And God says, Why are you so downcast? Don't you know I'll bless you too? Doesn't mean if God favors one person, he's going to favor you any less. That's what your mind can't understand. You think if God likes someone, he's not going to like you. There's no more like left for you. No, you're wrong. God has the cute ability to make each one of you his favorite. Each one. What you've got to get out of your head is that you think when God's favoring you, God's loving or blessing you or showing you his kindness, that everything goes your way. Wrong. You're wrong. Do not measure God's approval by your circumstances. That's immaturity. God is what he says he is. Life is full of circumstantial things for every one of us. And Joseph was no exception. His dad made him a a very colorful coat. Your father made you a coat, too, of white. And he favored you and he, you had a prophetic word over your life just that Joseph did didn't know what it meant and it, all it did was get him as a soldier a slave his destiny took him down a very unusual road because every one of us in this room are born for moments that change eternity joseph was destined for a moment just one moment that god had to prepare him for that would make all the difference The moment that God needed him to change things in the destiny of Israel. Because let me explain to you that God wanted to save mankind. To bring a savior to this world, God needed a proper channel, a proper way to bring him in. And so God decided he didn't need to raise up a tribe or a group of of spiritual people. But he wanted to have an entire nation that would historically be established as his people. Because Jesus said that salvation came from the Jews. There had to be a historical journey of one people, completely one nation, that exclusively walked with God, that would produce the Savior. To have that nation, we couldn't evolve them. We had to birth them. So God took the seed from the promised land and pregnates the womb of Egypt, and this baby grows to 600,000 people in 400 years. The difficulty is the more pressure there was, the more united they became, the more exclusive God's people. They had nowhere else to go but to God. And in those 400 years of hardship, they became one people under God, calling to Him daily until the time was right for that baby to be born. And then the first of the birth pains, the entire Egypt shook under the first plague the first plague wasn't as bad as the second plague and the birth pains began to increase until there was a showing of blood on the doorposts like any pregnancy, any birth about to happen. Then the water broke right through the Red Sea and the baby came out the other side. Needing now diapers, God gave them ten commandments in a hurry to give them a quick guidance and then the Moses, the Moses laws came later and so the Abrahamic laws came later and as we went step by step Through the desert, into the promised land, they were growing and becoming stronger and stronger and stronger until they were a nation that was feared and revered under David and rich under Solomon. And so, as years of history unfold, the Savior finally came. But Joseph had a role to play, as do you in the destiny of God, a much bigger picture in motion that you don't understand. And all we see is our little focus. And I know Joseph, many often, kept looking down the road, waiting for his dad to come and find him. His dad favored him so much, the spirit and the heart of abandonment that he felt constantly, which so many of us in this room feel from our childhood. My mom told me that my childhood was the best days of my life. And I told her, actually, my childhood is something I spend the rest of my life trying to fix. Because if it's not one thing, it's another. Because your childhood has such an impressionable time in your life that can damage or bless or do so many, form wrong ideas. And you, in your journey, you have to correct those things according to the Word of God. There is no better measuring stick than the Word of God. That's why I, I rejoice that in our church, this church, we are reading the Bible. Best book you'll ever find. Still number one seller. You can download it on your phone. You can have an audio, all kinds of translations you can have going on your car, radio, your home at the background. And it can feed your soul without you even listening to it. It's a healthy, godly thing to do. You'll never regret it. Do you understand what I'm telling you? All right. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my way. It will guide me, His word. Yes? Do not get too excited. Please take it down a notch. (laughs) Now, God himself was preparing Joseph for a moment. The moment Joseph's heart was prepared for was that he stood before the Pharaoh. Everyone thinks that the Pharaoh was impressed because he could interpret dreams. Not so. The dreams was the gift that got him in the presence of the king. But what changed the king's heart, what impressed him, was Joseph himself. When he said what the dream means to the Pharaoh, he said, Now, Pharaoh, find someone in your nation. Not recommending himself, not looking for his own destiny, his own way out, or his own comforts. He was concerned for the nation, everything unselfish about him. Now find someone you can trust. And he gave them the pattern of what needs to be done. And when the Pharaoh heard that, he said, Can we find a man in the, all of Egypt with a spirit like this? Now for Joseph to have that spirit, he had to be a slave. He had to go through so much pressure, and then being falsely accused was not fun either. Being in jail for two years and having all that constant pressure was only forming that character in him until he was completely abandoned to God's purpose. And Now he was going through the seven years of good good storing up, and then the seven lean years came, and his brothers came, as the prophecy or the dream foretold. But it, when it was time, then God called down the famine when it was time. There was a much bigger plan in motion, and it wasn't trying to kill or starve people, but there was a much bigger plan. When God did all that, He was thinking of you. He was thinking of you because He wanted you to get saved and born again and have eternal life. And to have that Savior, we needed a people. There were people we needed to get this going. We needed a Joseph to be a seed, to be obedient. And Joseph didn't, didn't sign up for it. He didn't choose that destiny, you don't choose some of the things that happen to your life, they just do, a part of that journey, you can either react and get mad at God, which people do and they blame God, we don't say I blame you God, we just say I just don't understand, which is really holding God accountable, we often hold God hostage. We try to even thrash Him with Scripture. But your Word says, and we'll make demands, we'll ask God stuff, and we'll, we'll quote Him in Scripture and, and try to force His hand. And let me tell you, you'll be sorry if you try and force God because you have to de- deal with the consequences. He knows what's best for you, and He always takes care of you. Can you imagine when Isaiah walks into the courts of Hezekiah, who was one of a notably good king throughout the history of Israel, remarkable, godly man, and Isaiah says, he wants, God says, get your house in order, he's coming to get you, you have not much time left. Imagine me prophesying today. So many of you want a word of God, imagine me saying to you, don't want to worry about your finances, you're going to die next week anyway, so it's Okay. Nobody wants a word like that. Nobody. And I'm glad we don't know when we're going to die. I'm glad. I'd hate to be counting those days down. Anyway, Hezekiah turns to the wall, and Isaiah had already left, and he said to God, please don't do this to me. And as God is so gracious, even though it was God's plan to bring him home, death is not a defeat for us. As a child of God, you have to get to that place that you cannot be threatened by death. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. He said, I know a man caught up to the third heaven. He had, he had to have a glimpse of glory. Once he saw that, this world couldn't hold him. When Pastor Ed died, I was in my heart. And I'm telling you very personal stuff. No one knows, They don't even know this. I was angry in my heart for two years. I come from a very broken home as a child. And when I found Pastor Ed, I found a father of above fathers. I mean, it's the most amazing, happiest years of our lives. And when he died, I was so angry in my heart because I felt robbed and betrayed in my heart. I I felt it so hard and I couldn't understand. And I I sought the Lord and sought the Lord and sought the Lord. And he gave me a vision and I got an understanding that almost every single person in a split second gets a view of glory and gets a choice. And God gave him the choice to go back, but he chose not to stay. No matter how many times he prayed for him to come back, He chose it because his heart was longing for the glory. And he said it repeatedly and he kept on kept on saying, God, I want to see your glory, I wanna see your glory. God said, Okay, let's do it. And that's the truth. It wasn't fun for me to hear that, but it's what happened. And so when people die, they get a split second to choose and, and almost anybody who sees the glory and is ready, they're not coming back, not for anything. Because it's really a million times more better better, more beautiful, more everything in your mind can conceive. Do you understand? There's no sorrow, there's no grief, and there's no it's just amazing. Everything about it is amazing. Your mind cannot conceive the greatness of that, and it's real. So do not be threatened by death. Don't be anxious or concerned about it because Jesus said, I said I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes me will not die. Do you believe this? Yeah, you say that with your mouth. Let's hope that it gets in your heart. I want you to have that confidence. Are you hearing me? You're just passing through. Don't cling to stuff here. You're passing through. You got it? Okay. Enjoy. Have fun. Make the best. Don't waste one moment. Be a a salvation machine, preaching daily, witnessing all the time. Make people crazy, but make it worth your while. Make it count. But you don't get yesterday back again. Oh, don't get any do-overs. You must do it, right? Now, Joseph had, had waited for someone to rescue him. And when he saw his brothers, he went behind the curtain. The successful, powerful man wept. Because his own heart was grieving about his childhood. He hadn't he got recovery and healing. But eventually, he tells his brothers, what you meant for my evil, God meant for the good. And he saw hope because he saw the saving of lives through the food situation, helping the Jews, and there was a measure of that. But God had called the famine down the land. God had done that. You know, when God gave Hezekiah 15 more years of his life, if you look at the history of Chronicles, you'll see how it was the worst time of his life. His whole life was full of victories and successes until those 15 years. All kinds of manner of sufferings he went through, he could have avoided. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's way is always better, even if you don't agree with it. God and I didn't always agree, let me tell you. He told me him and I are incompatible. We just don't agree. And he's not changing. <laughs> it took me a while, but I started getting the picture. He's the boss. No matter how money fits. God's not stressed if you throw a fit at him and yell at him and get mad at him and tell him you're angry. He's not stressed about it. He's quite, quite comfortable. As long as you're truthful and honest. He can't. Stand the wickedness of heart, the deception. He wants you to be real, be you, but he sees it anyway. Are you hearing me? And he loves you, unconditionally loves you. He's all about you. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything about your life. He's so involved. He's more involved than anybody in your life. He counts the hairs on your head. You don't do that, but he's very aware. He's aware of every part of your body, every part of your life, every part of your thoughts, your anxieties, your concern, your frustrations. And he's working inside of you for an eternal purpose, eternal plan. Do you understand? Much more important because you are training now for reigning with him then. So everything you do is training, training, training. Now, Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for the good. But if I sat him down now and said, Joseph, actually, it's not about the famine because God made the famine come anyway. What really is about, well, you see these people here choose life? If you don't do this, you didn't. Had you not gone, had you not been faithful, had you not seen all that difficulty through, they wouldn't be here today. Because the whole chain reaction. So your life is full of destiny, and I need you to hold on, to cling to what God's got for you. I want you to try not to whine and complain about every little thing that comes your way, but to look at it and, and ask God, what does He want? Bring God into everything of your life. Consider Him. Put Him first. Do you understand? Acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Put him in every situation, and he'll make your paths straight. You put him in every part of your life because he loves you so much. You're missing out on a lot of fun if you don't make him the center of your world because there's no one like him. He's a wonderful Savior. He won't force himself on you. You have to really draw near to him so he can draw near to you. Now, Joseph had a destiny. You went through rough times, and you go through rough times. It's not that issue, but there are momentary sufferings, sufferings, Paul calls them momentary, because they soon pass for eternal glory. Are you with me? I know you love this message. It's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah. You all want to hear how wonderful you are and how much faith and how much money you're going to have, and really God's more interested in eternity. Are you here with me? This is a wonderful church. If you're not a member, sign up right now. It is the best church in the world. I really want to come home. I'm telling you, I want to come home to this this church, not to this country only, but this church. <laughs> I'm so happy this weekend. I've had, had a whole heart. I can't explain it. I'm just trusting God. He'll do something for me. Right.